talking about the last two services, what I've been speaking about. Thank you. You get bonus points, all right? Thank you. Somebody's listening. How many of you have started to put into practice some of the things I talked about Sunday morning? All right, that was four of you. That's great. But at least it's the loud four. That always makes you feel better when they're louder. Well, um, I'm just going to kind of add a little addendum to what I've been talking about because I really believe that this topic is so important for um, our church and for, so important for the body of Christ. And when we were singing about um, who can be against us if he is for us, it reminded me of this story. And that's why I want to preach this to you real quick. Jim, could you play? Because that was so nice. It inspires me to speak better and quicker. Do we have to pay you overtime? Oh, your back's hurting you? All right, never mind. It's okay. It's all right. Do we have any massage therapists in the house? All right. Sorry, you don't have to play. Just, just put it on a note or something. All right. So I, I read this story when I was reading about joy. I read about, um, about Napoleon's army. And uh, they, their plan, Napoleon's plan, was to take over the world. And uh, he wasn't doing it in a very nice fashion. He wanted to take over the world, Europe. He was spreading all over the place. And there's a story about a little town in Austria where one of Napoleon's generals had suddenly appeared with about 18,000 men. And the Austrian town had nobody there ready to fight. There was no Austrian army. It was just the town and its people. And 18,000 18, of Napoleon's men, ready, not tired, not weary, ready to take this small little Austrian town, circled around about it, and they were ready to converge and take this town. The town council found out they were on their way, and they gathered together, and the town council decided, let's just surrender. It was a Saturday night as they were coming towards them. They said, tomorrow morning, Sunday morning, let's surrender. Maybe they'll spare us. They won't kill, kill our women and children. Let's just surrender the town to them. Why try to fight? We have no military men here. The best we could do is bring together maybe a couple hundred farmers and militiamen. And the pastor or the dean of the church in the middle of the town reminded them that it was Easter. And he begged them. He begged the city council. He said, don't cancel church tomorrow morning. It's Easter. Maybe we can surrender later, but don't cancel church. Let them come. But we're going to have church. It's Easter. We're going to celebrate the resurrection. This is a true story. So they did this. And when the service started, as they did every Easter in this little town, they began to ring the bells of the church. Today, those bells are known as joy bells. Because when they began to ring those joy bells, the general, Napoleon's general, heard 
the bells ringing, and assumed that the only reason they would be having church and ringing those bells was because the Austrian army was there waiting for them to ambush them as they descended upon this town. And so the 18,000 men led by their general, one of the top commanders in Napoleon's army, left that town alone. They scattered and they went on. They retreated because they heard the bells of the church. They heard what is known today as the joy bells of the church ringing out. And at the sound of joy, that army fled because they assumed the only reason God's people would be singing a song of joy, would be ringing those bells, is because they had reinforcements there waiting. Since then, it's become a tradition in this town that they ring those bells in, in, at, the, at the hint of the sign of any adversity. In pain, in sickness, in poverty, in fear, and loneliness, and every trial that could come the way of that church or that town, they ring those bells to remind themselves that through joy they can overcome and conquer anything. We talked um, last Wednesday night and then this Sunday morning about choosing joy. And I just barely started to get into it Sunday morning, but we ran out of time about choosing joy in spite of your circumstances. Choosing joy when everything around you is saying you have no reason to have joy. Testing what joy can do in the face of the most difficult circumstance in your life. It's a decision every one of us have an opportunity to make, not just when we wake up in the morning as we talked about Sunday. But it's a decision that you and I can make when life, as it often does, throws something our way we weren't prepared for. I heard of an experiment that's going around the internet. I don't know if it's true. But Leah told me, so I'll take her word for it. Where they take an apple and they cut it in half. Now, if this is true, this is crazy. They take an apple and they cut it in half. And they take one apple and they treat it really poorly. They talk negative to it. They're grumpy around it. It's just a slice of or half of an apple. And then they take the other apple in the same conditions, in the same space, in the same temperature, and they're happy around it. And they speak words of life and joy and delight, and they're positive with that apple. And supposedly people have been doing this and taking pictures of it. And they say that the apple that was in that kind of negative environment actually will turn brown and sometimes even black in the same amount of time that other apple that had been subjected to the happy, joyous, wonderful, amazing environment looked almost like the day they sliced it.
Now, whether it's true or not, it sounds great, but I can tell you this. It is true in your life. If we could separate you down the middle today and put half of you on one side and half of you the other, and you listen to all the gloom and doom prophecies and, and the world's coming to an end and all of the news stories. I don't know about you, but I don't want to turn on the news anymore. And you took the other half of you and put it over here where you listen to, listen to the Harvest CD, which is live and available right now on iTunes. And joyous music and positive, uplifting, just, and sermons and words of, of great promise and hope in the Word of God. I bet you'd find out that this half of you would be a lot sicker a lot more depressed. No, I just heard a phone ringing. If your phone rings in the middle of me preaching, I will throw you out. Do you understand me? I'm just kidding. But we do give free lessons on how to mute your phone, all right? In the back, we do that. No, but I bet you if that happened, you'd find that the two different people would be so different. I've heard of twins being separated at birth and one living in a healthy environment and one living in a negative environment and the one being successful and succeeding, even growing taller and just thriving and being just the perfect picture of health and the other one being sick, having many less years in their life. I've heard of people that have been diagnosed with cancer that have decided every day I'm going to watch a comedy or do whatever it takes to get me laughing. And they've literally used joy and laughter as medicine to heal themselves or to aid in the healing of themselves. And I love this story, and I'm not going to preach much longer because I just wanted 10 minutes. But I love this story because it, it's such a perfect picture of, of who Jesus is in our lives. Because when you choose joy, you're not just choosing some phantom emotion. When you choose joy, you really choose Jesus and you choose his way for your life. So you step into what he has for you. You step into his hope, his promise. And you let the world know that I don't care what's going on, but this is how I'm going to live my life. Some of the most joyful people in the world we found in the slums in the Philippines. We found in the dumps of, of, of Africa and Mozambique. We found picking through trash in, in the Dominican Republic. Some of the, most joy, some of the most genuine pictures of joy, smiles that will light up your life. We found in, in hut, grass huts with dirt floors and one pair of clothing that's ratty. Because they made a decision that whatever's going on in my life has nothing to do with how I'll live my life. I'm choosing joy. This is round three. I think we're going to get it after round three. I believe that 
this little experiment that we're going to do together, as we choose joy, we choose his way, we choose Jesus' way for our life, that we make a decision to believe his word for our life, it's the promises over our life, to rehearse, like I said on Sunday, what he's done for us, remember that, to learn to give, because there's joy in giving, to learn to be obedient, like we talked about with the wedding at Cana, that as we partner with joy and choose joy, that the condition of our lives will change. Well, brother, it's not all about, you know, just living a great life. Well, actually, it kind of is. Because if you want to live some sad, sappy, lonely, unhealthy, grumpy, angry, miserable life for Jesus, go ahead. I'm not going to do it. That was, not, that was a weak amen. Because if there's another option, I can live for Jesus and be joyful and happy and in love with him and him in love with me and healthy and prosperous and living to the fullest of my life and overcoming obstacles and defeating things that would come to crush my dreams. That's what I want. But you and I have a decision. We can choose this or we can choose this. Amen? This little nugget was brought to you by Jim and Peggy Miner, who birthed me many years ago. I think my dad tried to slip out and get a sandwich in the middle of it, but that's all right. I love your dad anyways. You guys got this tonight? It's cool, right? Don't you feel free to know that you can choose joy? That you don't just got to wait for some phantom Amazon drone to drop the package on your doorstep one day. They've been talking about those things for too long. That you can choose joy right now.